0: everybody, and welcome to another episode of Connect the Knox. I'm your host, Julia Hurley, connecting Knoxville to the nation. Today's guest has one of the longest job titles I've ever seen in my life, which means he's really, really important. He's got a lot to learn today and a very short time to learn it. So I want to introduce Mark Gibson, Associate Vice Chancellor Research, Innovation, and Economic Development for the University of Tennessee. And as we have learned over the last year, that's really for all of Tennessee. Mark, thank you for being here with us today.
1: Thanks, Julia. Really really appreciate you having me, and I'm su- super excited about being on today.
0: Well, we cannot wait to dive into what all of this means as we continue to grow into the East Tennessee market. And of course, Tennessee is always the forefront in leadership of economic development, of innovation. So you have you have quite a responsibility to continue that journey as the University of Tennessee grows and Knoxville grows because of its growth. Tell us a little bit about what this entails and what just a regular day for you is.
1: Yeah, good question. So a regular day is is uh, it's not the same. So there's no cookie coater approach to what we do. Um, we uh, we work with uh, with private industry organizations, uh, state uh, state and civic uh, leadership across the state, building partnerships to forward uh, the mission across the state. Really, um, our main mission is to make sure that the state of Tennessee remains competitive with our peer states. So. We look at all the border states of Tennessee. We look at um, you know, other states around and especially in the southeast. And we want to make sure that we're competing and uh, and and are are putting the the University of Tennessee at the forefront to make sure that we are innovative, um that we are producing a viable workforce, mm. uh, and that our research and and development um, certainly meets the needs of the nation. So, um, we work a lot with uh, with private industry, as you can probably imagine, uh, building those partnerships um, from an R and D perspective. But also, we like to open the door a little bit too, and and um, and help uh, help with workforce development needs. Um, and sometimes that comes with curriculum development, right? So we allow our uh, our partners to to be engaged at an advisory level um, phase, and and have them come onto our campus, tell us about. Uh, ways that we can change our curriculum. You know, one thing that our chancellor likes to say a lot is, higher education across the nation has not changed in over 200 plus years, right? And and that's true if you think about it. Um, the the curriculums at these at these four year institutions have remained pretty stagnant um, for for the last 200 plus years, and so the university is really taking some steps to make sure that we are preparing our students for the workforce of the future thinking about ways that we can develop the economies of the future, um, and that is all around innovation. It's all around curriculum development with our workforce. Um, So, we work a lot across the state, as you can imagine, just to make sure that our economy is prepared for the next 20, 30, 40, 50, and plus years. So, um, So, that's in a nutshell some of the things that we do around economic development, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the things that we do around small business development and, and entrepreneurship as well, because that's something that also flows through my office. Super excited about the things that we're starting right now, kind of bridging the gap, if you will, between the research side of things and the business development side of things. There's a lot of technical work that's being done on the on university campuses. Um, the University of Tennessee is taking steps right now to really think about how we can catalyze uh, some of that, some of that technology, some of that innovation, and building it into um, you know uh, opportunities for those companies to actually build and stay in East Tennessee, which is so important, as you know. Um, just thinking about the economies of the future and what that technical workforce means. So, um, high wages, as you can imagine, certainly part of that. So. We're we're just always thinking about ways that we can work with our entrepreneurs. Our city officials are really really um, uh, you know engaged in that process as well. So that's just kind of a nutshell, <laughs> but uh, happy to go in more uh, more in depth if we if we need to.
0: Okay, that that's so much responsibility in one office setting. I mean, genuinely, the state of Tennessee itself's economic policy has been. Forward thinking for quite some time. We we stop, you know, we're talking, you know, what, 30 years ago, they put a stop to a state income tax and they were like, listen, we we want to be on the forefront of at least financial security. So we're gonna offer that. So that's economic development in and at least being able to attract retirees, attract money. So it's like, okay, we, we want to attract that 30, 40 years ago. Like let's take care of this one thing. And then as we've continued to build as a policymaker and even with with, with party changes, everybody in the state of Tennessee, no matter what always comes together to do what's best for the state of Tennessee. So you get to work with all sides, all conversations. What are you seeing currently is going to be your biggest opportunity, which could also be your biggest challenge, but mixed together, what is your crystal ball and it's the perfect ending over the next decade plan could you see for not just the University of Tennessee, which again, Tennessee systems is the state of Tennessee, but for this area as a whole,
1: yeah, you know, we're working on some initiatives right now, Julia, that I think are are really going to be transform- transformative for the state. Um, a couple of those, you know, with the Chips and, uh, Chips and Science Act, um, right now, the, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of funding that's flowing out of Washington D.C. and and you know, I, I think that our state has really good opportunities to. To capture some of those opportunities, right, and we're we're catalyzing, um, you know, all of our partners, and this is something that we are we're really adamant about trying to develop, um, uh, you know, the, these relationships, and and this doesn't happen in a lot of states, right? But the states that do it right are the ones that actually capture these awards. So they're working, you know, multiple universities come together and and team together, right, and. You know, five years ago, maybe ten years ago, but but maybe even five years ago, the universities didn't work with Vanderbilt, right? We didn't work with the University of Memphis. we were we were competitors uh, on the field of play in our athletics programs. and that kind of that kind of spilled over into some of the academic stuff as well. And so I think that's really evolving, right? I think we see that uh, we've got to come together. We've got to work together in order to be successful in capturing some of these. Big grants that are coming out of uh, out of Washington, um, the NSF and and the EDA uh, grants um, are, are transformative, right? And it's not just about the funding that flows in, right? It's not just about the universities working together, but how do we work together with industry? How do we bring state government together? Um, how do we bring ECD into some of these conversations and the and the Tennessee Department of Transportation and other arms of government to actually think about what can be transformative for the state over the next 20 to 50 years and um right now we're really looking at um five specific areas and i'll talk okay. i'll talk specifically about one or two of those one being mobility right so if you think about mobility of the future a lot of people think okay well we've got a lot of cars on the road we've got a lot of things that are happening right now right but but it's more than just that right it's the infrastructure in place it's the policy it's it's, um, you know, it's certainly the technology. Um, it's the workforce. Um, you know, we've got four major OEMs that are in the state of Tennessee right now. And it's not just about the OEMs, but it's about the suppliers who are here. It's about uh, all the jobs that are being that are that are that are being created. Uh, so the workforce of the future has to be thought of there. Um, so all of this stuff, and and so we have we have these big grant proposals. The, the NSF engines proposal could bring up to $160 million into the region. That seems like a lot of money, right? But we want to work with the state. How do we leverage that opportunity to match from a state's perspective? And, and then you, you really begin to think about impact in these regions, right? So right. if we can work with the state, we bring that $160 million, we leverage it, and now you're talking about 300 to 500 million dollars worth of funding that can that can funnel into these into these uh, communities across the state. Really helps set us up for the future, and I think that's one of the things that we really want to do. Um, I'm actually sitting here today at a at an AI Tennessee Initiative workshop, right? I so love have, that. Yes, so we have to think about how AI plays into this, right? A lot of people are really worried about what AI is going to do. Uh, and in education and and just overall society. But we're here today at the University with friends from from universities across the state and and private industry to think about actually not not about the the scary parts of it, but how AI is going to help shape some of the workforce moving forward. and and I, and if you think about AI right now, it is going to be, it's going to transform, so we've got to think about how we embrace that and bridle the opportunities that uh, that are before us, and not sit back and let things pass us, right? Because that's, I think that's, if you do that as a state, that can be a that can be a really scary thing to try to catch up from.
0: So, with the current, because it is, it's very, it it is scary. Okay, so most people, you know, typical average American operates out of fear. It's just how we are raised. It's our it's our instinct: fight or flight. A lot of people flee, so it's at, we're always in this fear mode. My generation is the last generation, is what I always say, my generation's the last generation of actual communication. I remember still having to pick up the phone with a rotary dial. I had a phone book. I knew how to work my phone book. I didn't have a cell phone until well into college. And you could only dial after nine o'clock or it was like $30 a minute. And we had AOL instant messenger. We never used our computers. We didn't understand how to do it. Our computer class was an Excel spreadsheet, like learn Excel. It's huge, Uh, which actually it still is very usable. But that was our computer science class, you know. And then about 30 minutes later, it felt like overnight it was computer in your hand, instant communication, instant access to the internet, just constant information, don't know what to do with it. And so there's this generational growth surge that for the generation before me, they built all this infrastructure for these things and didn't really know what they were building. They don't really use it anymore. My generation got to see both sides, that human connection, and the AI possibility. And this next generation is seeing a a total almost disconnection from human connectivity into full-blown use of a different kind of of communication. Where Where can regular business people find a place to not only continue to build their businesses, which I'm sure the question you're asking today, you know, and create a workforce for the future to understand and communicate with both. Because as somebody who's just barely in their forties, I've got another 40 years here. So I may not be living, breathing, doing it, but I have to adapt while the next generation is living it. So how do we bridge that gap between future business owner and future workforce?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good question. And I, I, I'd like to say that I have a really clear answer for you. Um, You know, I, I think, we're in the same generation. I'm a little bit older. Um, but I will say, you know, we've seen so much happen in our lifetimes, right? And um it's funny, I have a I have a 14-year-old son, and just yesterday in the car, we were talking about, about phones. And for whatever reason, he said, Oh, I remember using a, a a rotary phone um at a at a hotel, right? And I was like, You do? <laughs> Uh, and he said, "Yeah, I, I didn't know how to figure it out." And I, and and that's funny, right? As a fourteen-year-old, you think, "Gosh, he doesn't even know how to use a rotary phone," um, but but it goes to show you how different things are. Um, and he was he was actually uh, we were having a conversation not long ago, and this is something that I think is really fascinating, right? So when we think about how AI is going to impact the future and and the next generation, he was telling me. That he has a teacher at, at his school. He's in the eighth grade, and his teacher is is basically embracing AI, right? And he's mm-hmm. and he's bringing home a project, and he said, "Look, my my um, my teacher wants me to use ChatGPT to answer this question and write a report." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I was not happy about this, right? Um, but but the more that I thought about it. Uh, and I looked into the project, essentially what they're going to have them do is type in the question and they know that it's going to happen, right? They know that these kids are going to do this, right? Type in the question and have ChatGPT essentially write the paper for them. And that seems, that seems kind of crazy, right? So then what they're going to have them do is they're going to have them go back and fill the gaps and they're going to have them go back and they're going to have them fact check it. And they're going to have, have them go back and make sure that, that everything is correct. And then they're gonna have them rewrite the paper based on how ChatGPT wrote it. And I thought, you know, that's really, that's really novel because you're using ChatGPT in a different way to form the foundation, but then you have to go back and actually do the research and fact find to make sure that it's correct. Right. And and I was like, okay, that that makes sense to me. And when I think about how that translates into the future uh, and all the jobs that are gonna happen, right? You're beginning to you're you're forming the next generation of people, just like you know, yeah. just like earlier generations that that we have, our grandparents, right? When 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 they were given a a, a calculator, and everyone before them thought, oh, they're never going to be able to do math again because now they've got this little calculator, right? Or when we got a TI eighty one in, in in college or whatever. Oh, yeah. I loved that. Yeah, yeah, I loved
0: that. I love that, and you couldn't use it in your finance class at the very end of the semester. And I was like, why is it here then? If I can't use this for the formulas, why is this here? And as I've as I've grown, I understand why. It's still a tool that you need to learn how to use properly, but you don't need to rely on it. But you do need to know how to use it. And AI is a tool. And if we don't teach this next generation how to use it properly, this next generation won't have jobs. We all know that real estate is location, location, location. Our team at Just Homes Group has the true expertise, pairing buyers and sellers with the right opportunities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell a home, right here in Knoxville, Lenore City, Clinton, or Farragut, we have the expertise throughout every Knoxville surrounding area.
1: Call Julia Hurley at
0: 865-237-7328.
1: And and going back to your to your earlier comment too, I mean, we have to be able to we have to be able to think about um, how we are connecting the next generation to the workforce of the future. And and AI, whether we want to believe it or not, or you know, it's here, right? And um, we've got to be able to embrace that and figure out you know how to how to how to better leverage you know the technology to to help us in the future. So the next generation is going to be prepared for that. Um, I think it's going to be up to us to make sure that we, um, you know, there's going to be policy, and, and, and I, I think all of our policymakers right now are trying to figure out all this stuff, and it's it's all flowing in really quickly. It's like the internet, you know, back in the '90s. It's like, okay, um, how how do we how do we how do we put policy around this, right? And that's, and I think we're still trying to figure that out with social media, um, and and I think that's probably going to be the case 20 years from now. So. Um, as long as we continue to innovate and and we're we're um, you know we're, we're going to disrupt a lot of industry, uh, we're going to disrupt a lot of things, and we have to be prepared for that. and And I think that's where the workforce has got to be um, agile and nimble enough to be able to to pivot in some of those things. And that's you know I, I'll say this um, really quickly, but I was on a, a phone call with some of my colleagues from Ohio. And, you know, if you think about the geography of where the state of Ohio is, um, there's a lot of uh, auto manufacturing, obviously, that takes place in Michigan to the north, and then a lot of auto manufacturing that takes place in, in the southern states to the south. And, it, and so in, in the state of Ohio, um, and I forget what the number, but it's a huge number of suppliers that actually are building the, um, uh, the combustion engine. Right. Mm, okay. So, if you think about over the next ten years, what's going to happen to the combustion engine and the and the manufacturing of combustion engines and automobiles with the with the growth and increase in um, in, in electric vehicles, um, if if Ohio is not taking steps now, or really if they weren't taking steps five years ago, they're going to be they're going to be hurting in terms of workforce um because a lot of those companies a lot of those manufacturers are going to have to figure out how to pivot right and right. so um, how do we plan for that and what's the what's that innovation that goes into that to make sure you're planning for that next workforce of the, of of the future in the state of Ohio Tennessee's in a little bit of that too so we have to figure out some of that
0: Yeah Tennessee we're Tennessee in, in and of itself and I I genuinely do not think and I know this, I relocate people constantly. I mean, it's just a constant influx of, of relocations and they really have no idea how large Tennessee is. They can't comprehend the size of it. It's so long as 10 hours from Memphis to Mountain City, you're looking at a 10, 11 hour drive and people in their mind cannot comprehend Tennessee borders or seven states border Tennessee. So that's seven states of commuters coming in and out, using our roadways, we, we don't have toll systems. We have to find our infrastructure. We have to incorporate. But we're also mostly a retirement state because of our ease of use to other areas and transportation opportunities. The University of Tennessee attracts some of the most youthful, educated, athletic uh, entrepreneurs and students across the state. How can we build a future faster to keep them in the state of Tennessee so we don't die out?
1: Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, You know, I'll say that, you know, there's, there's a couple of things, right? So I I think, I think in, especially in East Tennessee, right, the University of Tennessee, um, we are, we're, Padded in a lot of ways, right? So mm-hmm. during the economic downturn that happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, we certainly saw the effects, but not some of the impact that some of some of the states across the country saw. Um, a lot of that is because of the innovation and in the R and D that's taking place, not just at the university, but Oak Ridge National Laboratory, mm-hmm. and then certainly with TVA here as well. Um, and then certainly, you know, I, I I think it gets overlooked sometimes, but the Great Smoky Mountains, um, it's it's a it's a huge draw. Um, certainly the the amount of tourism that comes into the state of Tennessee um, to, to visit with Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and the, and the Great Smoky Mountains is a big is, it's a big economic driver, as you can imagine. Um, consider this. I had I actually looked at this last week. I had to give a presentation last Friday and I was looking. Um, so the University of Tennessee, is a large economic driver, one uh, close to $2 billion in economic impact across the state. Um, big, It's a big impact driver, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at Dollywood, okay? Okay. And Dollywood uh, has a larger economic impact across the state of Tennessee than does the University of Tennessee, mm-hmm. right? And that's huge. So when you first look at that, you're like, man, um, you know, the, the impact that, that Dolly Parton has... Uh, Is just amazing, right? Um, And I and I I applaud, you know, everything that Dolly has been able to do. She stands for for everything in East Tennessee that 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 is good, right? Um, But I also look at the the average wages and and those types of things. And if you look at University of Tennessee and you look at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, you look at TVA, and then you look at the health sector here. So the health sector in the in East Tennessee. Actually employs more uh, a, a greater workforce than UT, ORNL, and TVA combined. Right? right. So we have to think about. A lot of times you think, okay, there's the big three, but you have to think about you have to think about the healthcare sector as well and the impact that that's having across the state. It's huge. And and if you think about what I call the um, and I don't just call this a, a, it's the Tennessee Valley corridor from Huntsville, mm-hmm. Alabama, all the way up to, you know, through Knoxville Oak Ridge and all the way up into the Tri-Cities area. That Tennessee Valley Corridor, if you look at the the concentration and the number of PhD and master's level um, and and college graduate students, it is a huge economic driver, right? So you have to think about the industries of the future and the technologies that are driving these economic, uh, the economic impact. And it's huge, right? So the, the university wants to make sure that we're that we're providing that workforce. The states are working to make sure that we're bringing the right companies in. We're all catalyzing to make sure that we're supporting our our startups um, and making sure that we're. It's not just about the retirees, right? Because sure. we want the retirees to come in and bring and bring the funding and the investment, but we also need to make sure that we're we're thinking about how we build the foundation for the future. So um, that is,
0: that is a balance And as, as yeah. in my industry alone, we see so much change and turmoil all the time and adapting to those changes and then understanding the healthcare sector. So we, we talk about, that. I'm in, in Loudoun County, the number one retiree County in the state of Tennessee, like more retirees come here with like, we have more lakefront land we could shake a stick at. We got so much lake and people love it. However, you go from the, the retire current retiring generation moving here, driving the need for more nurses, more physicians, more hospitals, and then the next generation, which is us, and there's half of us. So in the next 20 years, half of the the need will be gone. Yeah. How do we... Create an opportunity for that next 20 year where we know that we'll only need half of what we have for hospitals, half of what we need for retirement communities, half of what we need for whatever, and still drive industry and technology and education forward. Personally, I am seeing a massive upswing in nuclear research and the energy sector. things along that nature. It doesn't even have to be electric. It can just be a type of energy. And I feel like that may be in Tennessee, of course, number one in leading that in the University of Tennessee as well and preserving our farm life so we have food, right? And so the Ag Center at UT is doing the research to make sure our farmers stay up to date and that our farmland stays fresh and that our food stays in our state and that provides the food for the next generation. So you all are in this what I, you're in the perfect storm of making all the decisions for literally the next generation. And I've never in my life seen such a great group of leaders in place to do that. And, uh, you know, the leader, the leadership that you all have been able to combine for this, this um, brain gathering, I don't even know what to call it, but you're, you're truly doing everything you possibly can. And every time I have an opportunity to take time from you all, which I appreciate and just share that with the nation that other people can see we're here, we're innovating. We're not just a retiree state. We're going to provide your family, your kids with great jobs, great education, get here while you can we're growing. And I really appreciate that effort because I can see it. And I know that people that are from here and have jobs and businesses here can feel that impact. So what can we do to support you?
1: Boy, you know, I think just continuing to carry the flag, uh, I think it's so important, right? Um, Advocacy is such a huge opportunity for us and across the state, whether we're working with private industry or we're working with our state officials. Um, You know, it's I, I couldn't have said it, Julie, I, I really and truly, I couldn't have said it better myself, right? When we think about where we stand, you know, nuclear is such a big opportunity for us in the state of Tennessee and Oak Ridge uh, being located just right across, uh, just right down the road from us. Uh, Y-12 National Security Complex is here as well. Uh, TVA, certainly. Um, but 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 it's not just about that. It's about the technologies that go into that. So energy and environment <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned agriculture. Food insecurity is a real thing, and you know I, I can drive, um, I, I can drive thirty minutes outside of Knoxville, and and I can see I can see depressed communities that that we need to be you know we need to be in right. And as the state's land grant institution, um, you know, with the with a mission of serving the the people of the state of Tennessee, um, I know that we've got really good people working on making sure that we are. We're we're connecting, and, and the outreach into these communities is so you know so important. Um, you mentioned the Institute of Agriculture. We have an extension agent, an extension agent in all ninety five counties across the state, and and that's huge. Um, having that connectivity into those communities is such a big deal. Whether you're talking about next generation, just you know teaching how to farm, teaching how to uh, manage your finances. Um you know teaching te- those things you can't you can't replicate that right i mean that those right. are things that that literally have to be done in order for the you know for our economies and these in these communities to be strong so um but yeah i i totally agree you mentioned energy and environment That's another one of our one of our big research gateways. So I already mentioned AI and mobility, but but certainly energy and and the environment. I think I think your
0: new office tagline hashtag from ag to AI.
1: Yeah, I I think
0: I think that that's. That's your mission and making these connections with these private industries and ensuring that their ideas and thoughts are brought to the table is, is a big responsibility for you to take on every single day. We appreciate that. And thanks for spending time with us today. I love to learn about anything that UT's is doing. I find that the more you learn about what's here locally, the better off you are to be able to contribute to the community at large. So that is huge. How can people find you, connect with you, uh, get in front of whatever programs that you're trying to to do? What can people do to get in touch with you or contribute?
1: Yeah, so um, you can always send me an email. Um, I'm always happy to to respond back. Um, My email address is mgibson, G-I-B-S-O-N, the number four, mgibson4, at utk.edu. Um, you can also get on our website, which is uh, research.utk.edu, and um, we're always looking to connect and 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 learn how we can uh, ha- learn how we can make life and lives better across the state of Tennessee. So, yep, thank you for having me today.
0: Well, I want to say thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this is another episode of Connect the Knox. I'm your host, Julia Hurley, connecting Knoxville to the nation. Thanks for visiting. Thank you for tuning into the show. Make sure to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And if you would like information on moving to Knoxville, send me a private message. As always, this is Julia Hurley connecting Knoxville to the nation.